0: Welcome to Truth Triumphant Radio. I'm your host, Cody Mori, and I wanted to discuss today, as the title entails, The Duty of the Watchman on the Walls of Zion. The Duty of the Watchman on the Walls of Zion. And the reason why is because there's been a lot of controversy, obviously, with the last two discussions not a controversy I intended but a controversy nonetheless and boy was I in for a shock was I in for a shock when I uh, decided to take this issue on with uh, doctor Vife on righteousness by faith and I realized a few things as we've been studying it out and the number one thing I realized is most of our people don't really understand what righteousness by faith is. You know, most Adventists, they don't have a problem with you telling them that they need to keep the commandments and they need to stop sinning until you mean it. Until you actually say, no, really, you really need to keep the commandments and you really need to stop sinning which is what the scriptures tell us to do it's what the spirit of prophecy tells us to do she says no defective character not even one defective character will be allowed to enter into the kingdom of God that's the first thing I learned the second thing I learned so far in this controversy is how much I understood about righteousness by faith. I've known this doctrine. I've taught this doctrine. But I haven't drank deeply of this doctrine. And the Lord, through a dear friend uh, from Australia, has, has been revealing to me what his will is concerning righteousness by faith and some of the quotes that I have been in correspondence with her about I'm gonna share today and specifically we're talking about the duty of the watchman on the walls of Zion and that duty is to rebuke and reprove sin. now I want many of you to know That Dr. Vythe's errors that he's been teaching, his very, very subtle saved in sin doctrine, the emphasis on being declared and decreed sinless rather than actually taking place, right? It's very, very subtle, but he is doing this. This doctrine, as I have said, and it is still my contention today, is a salvation issue. And the reason why is because we are standing at the borders of the promised land and we have Adventist ministers, high, high ranking Adventist ministers, marvelous stars who we've admired for their light and their brilliance, that are teaching people on the borders of the promised land that they can be saved in sin that they can that their characters will be permitted to have sin now i'm not talking about the sinful nature all of us are born with a sinful nature we will have that sinful nature until we are glorified but that doesn't mean that the sinful nature gets to win you can and you are supposed to overcome sin in your own strength absolutely not does that mean i'm perfect absolutely not folks i've got a long way to go i've got a long way to go but i'm not the one telling people that they can be saved with their sins that they that they will be declared righteous, that they won't be perfect, that perfect just means perfect in your sphere and not perfect sinless, and that sinlessness Mrs. White only attaches to the angels and to beings from other worlds and to God when there, as I read last week, there are quotes where she does say that we are to attain to the sinlessness of Adam before the fall, before his transgression. Now, many of you have urged me to contact Dr. Vyth on this, that this is a big misunderstanding. And so I want you to know I have taken your counsel on this. This is a public issue. It has been addressed in public. The videos will stand. The videos will stay up. And I will hold my ground by God's grace. But I have contacted his ministry a couple days ago. I have not heard anything back yet, but it has only been just a few days. So I'm not going to jump to any conclusions here. I will keep you folks posted. But I have contacted him because of your requesting. I did not feel an urge or need to do this, but I felt that for, for the sake of the people, Uh, who feel so strongly about this that it would be a spiritual benefit to you and to God's message and to God's glory uh, if I did this on your behalf. So I have done this, and I will keep you posted on what is said in response. Now, I want to mention something here that I think is really, really important. And that is this whole discussion on Matthew 18-ing somebody, right? A lot of people have told me that, especially me and Pastor Hughes and, and even Paul Prino, that you need to focus on God's love. You need to focus on Jesus Christ. You need to uplift Jesus Christ. Now, that's true. But uplifting Jesus Christ also means standing in the gap and it also means sighing and crying for the abominations that be done in the land now a lot of people have have taken this and they've inferred motives on our part and i want to i want to tell you uh, as i've told you in the past that our motives we have no personal vendetta we don't we don't want to touch the character of walter weith at all on this issue we're not discussing his character, we're discussing the false doctrine that's being taught. Or the confusion. Again, if, if there's a misunderstanding on my part, then at the very least he's sowing confusion. And it doesn't mean just with me. I've talked with other people who now believe, because Walter Veith has taught it, they now believe that they do not need to become sinless. Think about that, folks. In the stream of time that we're in, right on the borders of the promised land, there are people that are giving up the fight to become sinless. That are refusing to give their hearts and their heart sins to Jesus Christ. Their outward sins, their thoughts, their beliefs, and their feelings. All in subjection to Christ. People are giving up that fight so close to the promised land. That's dangerous. Now many folks have talked to us about Matthew 18ing him. Did you Matthew 18 him? Did you discuss this with Walter Vyth first? Well, as I said, it was a whether it's a misunderstanding or not, it's a public misunderstanding and therefore it needs to be addressed in public. But I want to read to you guys a quote. Some of this quote, I, uh, this quote, I've shared with some folks uh, because I've made myself more available than I usually am available uh, for this particular topic because I know it is such a touchy subject. And folks, quite frankly, quite frankly, what's going on with some some people here concerning this issue is idolatry. It's idolatry to build up any person to the point where they cannot be questioned even if they're teaching something that is completely antithetical to everything that we believe so i have tried to make myself available for that but i wanted to show how matthew eighteen and walter vice on this was not applicable even though i have done this i have done this for your sakes But this is from Testimonies of the Church, Volume 2, page 14 through 16. It says, Sabbath, my husband spoke in the forenoon, and I followed for two hours before taking food. The meeting was then closed for a few moments, and I took a little food and afterwards spoke in a social meeting for one hour, bearing pointed testimonies for several present. These testimonies were generally received with feelings of humility and gratitude, I cannot, however, say that all were so received. The next morning, as we were about to leave for the house of worship to engage in the arduous labors of the day, a sister for whom I had a testimony that she lacked discretion and caution and did not fully control her words and actions, came with her husband and manifested feelings of great unreconciliation and agitation. She commenced to talk and to weep, She murmured a little, and confessed a little, and justified self considerably. She had a wrong idea of many things I had stated to her. Her pride was touched as I brought out her faults in so public a manner. Here was evidently the main difficulty. But why should she feel thus? The brethren and sister knew these things were so. Therefore, I was not informing them of anything new. But I doubt not that it was new... To the sister herself she did not know herself and could not properly judge of her own words and acts this is in a degree truly of of nearly all hence the necessity of faithful reproofs in the church and the cultivation by all its members of love for the plain testimony Her husband seemed to feel unreconciled to my bringing out her faults before the church and stated that if Sister White had followed the directions of our Lord in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17, he should not have felt hurt. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he shall not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established and he if he shall neglect to hear them tell it unto the church but if he neglect to hear the church let it let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican my husband then stated that he should not he should understand that these words of our lord had reference to cases of personal trespass "...and could not be applied in the case of this sister. She had not trespassed against Sister White. But that which had been reproved publicly was public wrongs, which threatened the prosperity of the church and the cause. Here, said my husband, is a text applicable to the case." First Timothy chapter 5, verse 20, which says, "...them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear." So folks, when Pastor Hughes mentions people's names in public, and he does name names, and I do as well, because they're so subtle that these things have to be pointed out that yes, this person is teaching this. It's not because I have a personal vendetta against Dr. Vythe. In fact, as I've said before, it is his it is his total onslaught series that really began my walk with Jesus Christ in the truth, in the Seventh-day Adventist truth. And so I owe I owe a great debt to his ministry uh, in that regard. But when we have public errors, right, that threaten the prosperity of the church and the cause, okay. Those need to be addressed, rebuked, rebuttals, whatever, in the public domain because it's in the public domain that they're being stated and it's in the public domain where deception is being sown and confusion is being sown into people's minds as to what the will of God is for them living in these last days so as a watchman on the walls of zion when he sees the the dangerous thing coming right when he hears the sound of war he blows the trumpet and warns the people right he doesn't come down off of the wall and then go over to the individual and say hey are you are you Are you here to cause trouble, or is this just a misunderstanding? No, the watchman on the wall, he blows the trumpet, and he warns the people. And that's what I've tried to do in this case. And I promise you this. I am going to stand my ground. By God's grace, I am going to stand my ground on this. And here's why. Because it's my duty to do so. it's my duty to do so and i have a quote here from another testimony testimonies for the church volume 3 and this was provided by my friend from australia it's quite long but it needs to be in this particular case because we will see quite clearly what the duty of a watchman on the wall of zion is and These are testimonies, again, for the church. So these are testimonies to us all, and these are special messages that Mrs. White had specifically for the church. It says this, I have been shown that God here illustrates how he regards sin among those who profess to be his commandment-keeping people, those whom he has specially honored with witnessing the remarkable exhibitions of his power, as did ancient Israel, and who will even then venture to disregard his expressed directions, will be subjects of his wrath. He would teach his people that disobedience and sin are exceedingly offensive to him and are not to be lightly regarded. He shows us that when his people are found in sin, they should at once take decided measures to put that sin from them, that his frown may not rest upon them all. Let's stop right there for one second you realize that when there's sins in the camp that are not pointed out, that God's frown, his in, in other words, his blessing or his, his curse will rest upon the church. <clears throat> his blessing will be removed from the church and his frown will rest upon the church. So when people get upset with Pastor Hughes, Because he calls people, as the Old Testament does, strong words, yes, strong words, I understand. But they're not words, they're not his words. So when he calls people by name and calls them dumb dogs that won't bark because they're refusing to blow their trumpets, when there's apostasy going on in the church, He's, he's following this counsel right here. He's following the counsel of warning the people so that they can be aware of the sin, shun the sin, that the frown of God may not rest on them all. And that's what I've tried to do as well. She goes on, it says, but if the sins of the people are passed over by those in responsible positions, his frown will rest upon them. And the people of God as a body, will be held responsible for those sins. In his dealings with his people in the past, the Lord shows the necessity of purifying the church from wrongs. One sinner may diffuse darkness that will exclude the light of God from the entire congregation. When the people realize that darkness is settling upon them and they do not know the cause, they should seek God earnestly in great humility and self-abasement until the wrongs which grieve his spirit are searched out and put away. It is that serious. The prejudice which has arisen against us because we have reproved the wrongs that God has shown me existed, and the cry that has been raised of harshness and severity are unjust. God bids us speak and we will not be silent. If wrongs are apparent among his people, and if the servants of God pass on indifferent to them, They will virtually sustain and justify the sinner and are alike guilty and will just as surely receive the displeasure of God, for they will be made responsible for the sins of the guilty. Folks, if we don't say anything, if if we just focus on Jesus Christ only and leave this part of the work undone, then we are doing Christ a disservice. If we just focus on the love message only, and we don't sigh and cry for the abominations that be done in the midst of Israel, then we are not true ministers. Let me explain something to you very, very, very clearly. If your minister is not talking about the apostasies going on in the church right now between the ecumenical movement between receiving money from the government between the get glue message, the time setting that's been going on, the saved in sin doctrines that have been going on, the refusal to rebuke Ted Wilson for seven years as he preached that the Sabbath was any other day besides Saturday or the mark of the beast was any other day besides the Sabbath, and then one little message where he barely says it in, in one of his sermons that makes up for it all. Folks, if your minister is not or refuses to, you know, there, there's 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 some room for growth. So if if the if the minister doesn't know about these things, that's one thing how you couldn't know about these things would be just beyond me at this point in history with what's going on the sin is so blatant in the conference right now the destruction of the great controversy into the great hope the list just goes on and on teaching spiritual formation to our ministers spiritual formation which Malachi Martin says makes you a slave to the papacy folks if your minister is not or refuses to to refuses to discuss these things he is not he is he is not a true minister of God if he passes on indifferent to these things then he is sustaining and justifying those sins he's guilty and he will receive the displeasure of God himself. And he'll be re- he'll be made responsible for the sins of the guilty. That's what I just read. Now, Mrs. White goes on from here. It says, In vision, I have been pointed to many instances where the displeasure of God was incurred by a neglect on the part of his servants to deal with the wrongs and sins existing among them. Those who have excused these wrongs have been thought by the people to be very Amiable and lovely in disposition, simply because they shunned to discharge a plain scriptural duty. The task was not agreeable to their feelings, therefore they avoided it. The spirit of hatred, which has existed with some because of the wrongs among God's people, have been reproved, has brought blindness and a fearful deception upon their own souls, making it impossible for them to discriminate between right and wrong. Folks, it's kind of like a you, you don't use it, you lose it sort of thing. If you see wrong and you refuse to address it, eventually you don't know what right and wrong are. It's a spiritual discernment gift. She goes on, They have put out their own spiritual eyesight. They may witness wrongs, but they do, do not feel as did Joshua and humble themselves because of the danger of souls is felt by them the true people of god who have the spirit of the work of the lord and the salvation of souls at heart will ever view sin as it it, in its real sinful character they will always be on the side of faithful and plain dealing with sins which easily beset the people of god especially in the closing work for the church let me read that again especially in the closing work for the church in the sealing time of the 144,000 who are to stand without fault before the throne of God, will they feel most deeply the wrongs of God's professed people? This is forcibly set forth by the prophet's illustration of the last work under the figure of the men, each having a slaughter weapon in his hand. One man among them was clothed with linen with a writer's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. Who are standing in the council of God at this time? Is it those who virtually excuse wrongs among the professed people of God and who murmur in their hearts, if not openly, against those who would reprove sin? Is it those who take their stand against them and sympathize with those who commit wrong? No, indeed. Unless they repent and leave the work of Satan in oppressing those who have the burden of of the work and in holding up the hands of sinners in Zion, they will never receive the mark of God's sealing approval. They will fall in the general destruction of the wicked represented by the work of the five men bearing slaughter weapons. Mark this point with care. Those who receive the pure mark of truth wrought in them by the power of the Holy Ghost, represented by a mark by the man in linen, are those that sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the church. Their love for purity and honor and glory of God is such, and they have so clear a view of the exceeding sinfulness of sin, that they are represented as being in agony even sighing and crying read the ninth chapter of ezekiel ezekiel but the general slaughter of all those who do not see the wide contrast between sin and righteousness and do not feel as those who stand in the council of god and receive the mark is described in the order of the five men with the slaughter weapons go ye after him through the city and smite let Not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly young and old, both maids and little children and women. But come not near any upon whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary. Testimonies to the Church, Volume 3, page 265-267. through So folks, you can see it very clearly there. To go against those who are preaching truth and to hold up the hands of sinners is a very dangerous situation and position to be in. I know where I want to stand. By God's grace, I want to stand with those and be one of those that sigh and that cry for the the abominations that are being done in the church. If that message is not in your heart, to reprove and rebuke the sins, the false doctrines, the errors that are going on in the church, then you do not have the same spirit that is spoken of in Ezekiel chapter 9. That's the spirit that we must have. We must be willing to stand in the gap, to stand for the right though the heavens fall. One last quote. From page 269, Testimonies of the Church, Volume 3 again. She says, The Holy Spirit inspired this pen to say, The plain, straight testimony must live in the church, or the curse of God will rest upon his people as surely as it did upon ancient Israel because of their sins. God holds his people as a body responsible for the sins existing in individuals among them. If the leaders of the church neglect to diligently search out the sins which bring the displeasure of God upon the body, they become responsible for these sins. But to deal with minds is the nicest work in which men ever engaged. All are not fitted to correct the erring. They have not the wisdom to deal justly while loving mercy. They are not inclined to see the necessity of mingling love and tender compassion with faithful reproofs. Some are ever needlessly severe and do not feel the necessity of the injunction of the apostle and of some have compassion making a difference and others save with fear pulling them out of the fire. So folks, there you have it. There's our counsel. Are we going to be those who stand with the truth? Are we going to be those that we can acknowledge that yes, some of these ministers have done wonderful wonderful sermons they've done wonderful work in the church they've done wonderful prophecy studies and at the same time say truth must stand higher than all of us truth must be the most important for us all and i feel called to point out the true true message of righteousness by faith. So the next few studies that we're going to do is going to be on righteousness by faith since this is such a confused issue. And I pray, by God's grace, that some of you who listen, that your hearts will be transformed and you will know, understand what God's will is for you and the power that he seeks to give you. You've been listening to Truth Triumphant Radio. I'm Cody Morey. God bless.